Thank you. That is a song I could sing every Sunday. And uh, it's great to be with you. My name is Randy Moon. I'm uh, one of the uh, members here in the church, and I have the fortune today uh, of being able to come up and share a few thoughts with you before we take the Lord's Supper. It's great to be here with you. Uh, I was able to speak to the men on Wednesday night, and like I told them, I love every opportunity that I get to be able to present to the church and just sort of give you my view of Jesus because to me, uh, there's nothing more important than our fo- a focus on Jesus as a church and as individuals. And um, I, I love being able, having the opportunity to be able to bring that with, to you any chance that I get. If you're visiting with us today, we want you to know you're a special guest. Um, there are plenty of seats available today because our teens are out camping and uh, they're, um, I don't know where they're camping, but that takes out a lot of people. Uh, so uh, uh, that's, not an, that's not an invitation to stretch out and go to sleep, though, wh- while I'm speaking. But there are lots of, you, you do have lots of options this morning. One of the, uh, one of the pieces of feedback my wife has given me uh, over the, uh, oh, not in the, in the near future. It's sinking. It's sinking. It is. Hey, you know what? There's a little handle there, but I'm not sure that's going to work. Is, hey, you know what? You would probably give better presentations if you didn't rely so much on your notes. So I'm going to try to do that today. And so I may get a little bit glitchy up here when I'm not really right on my notes. But, uh, hey, you know what? I just realized I don't need this because it's right there. So if I get just a little bit off, uh, my, off base, that's because I'm not following my notes, which I like to do. But uh, we're going to try something different today. Turn your Bibles over to Luke chapter 7. I just need to roast someone for a moment because they roasted me earlier, and that's John Phillips. I've, known, I've been married to my wife for 37 years. Man, scored with that one. 37, and uh, we dated for two and a half years before that. We met in college. I was a senior. She was a freshman. I know. I've heard all the jokes. So, um, but when I was, uh, when I was in, early in college, I was part of uh, lots of different groups. And one of them was a bluegrass group. Um, one was a rock group. One was a Chicago-type band. So I was in lots of different groups playing drums. And we got asked to play at a prom in Tulsa uh, for a junior-senior banquet prom. So I went there, and John Phillips was a high school student, still in diapers, like I like to say. Okay, Alan, it's not just you. Everybody was still in diapers when I was an adult, okay? So John there, he was a junior or senior. Uh, That was the first time that we interacted. I don't remember if we really talked. But about five, without planning this, in Providence, Rhode Island, part of the same church, and uh, our paths have just sort of crisscrossed. It's amazing how God kind of does that. I'm not sure what all the purpose behind that is. But here John and I are here today, still around, and he's still, um, he's still roasting people. He's still roasting me. Look, chapter 7. Here we go without notes. Verse 36. I went to an eye doctor this last Friday. They told me I need readers. I bought some, but I left them at the office. So we're going to try to get through this. If you got 1.25s, I'll take it. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Let's note right here before we go any further 
that it's not Simon that's the first to note that this woman lived a sinful life in the town. It's Luke. So if Luke... Are these one, two, fives? Twos. You know what? I'll take them. I don't know what I look like because, you know, image is everything, but um, I'm going with it, all right? I can't see anyone out there. or I, It's like an IMAX theater. Keep moving. But it's Luke that points out that she's a sinful woman, which what that means is she was a sinful woman. This is not just someone saying it about her. It's Luke writing about this woman's reputation in the town. So we got a legit sinful woman in the house there with Jesus and Simon. So she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, 38, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here you've got a man around town. He's lived a very good life. He's lived a very responsible life. He's achieved things himself. He's a Pharisee. Typically, historically, Jesus' sort of mortal enemies were obviously number one, Satan. But after that, you'd probably say the Pharisees were next in line. He was always calling them out for their hypocrisy. Because they were supposed to be the leaders, the, the spiritual examples for the people but they were so caught up in their legalistic approach to religion, they kind of lost their heart for loving God and, and gotten more into a routine of just doing things. And in that sept, a lot of hypocrisy. Jesus was always challenging them. So as a group, he challenged the Pharisees, but he still looked at people individually. And when this man asked him to come over to his house... Jesus had a hard time saying no to anyone who wanted to spend time with him. He saw it as an opportunity. So he said yes. And he, he, saw, some, he saw some potential here. So he went, over to, he went over to Simon's house. The Bible says he was reclining at the table. That's kind of how they ate in their, their days. Their, their tables didn't have tall legs on them like ours do with chairs. But they just sort of used pillows to recline at the table that was close to floor level. So it sounds like a pretty relaxing scene where Jesus is there with Simon and the other guest. They're talking, they're, they're chit-chatting, they're talking small talk, they're talking, maybe they're talking politics, maybe they're talking Jewish religion issues. And in comes a woman who hears that Jesus was at Simon's house and she is weeping. 
because she is broken. And we read the story. We saw the, th- we saw the, the events as they unfolded, uh, unfolded. And you can see the contrast between these two people, Simon and the woman. One was polite and one was penitent. One was hospitable, but one was miserable or even inconsolable. One was seeking validation of a life well lived. One was seeking liberation from a past filled with shame and regret. This woman reminds me of the song by Jackie Velasquez where she sings, In the, in the desert of my shame, I have found myself to blame. Now I thirst for innocence, and your blood is there to quench. Pour your life into my soul. Um, let's see, I've got it written down because I'm not using notes today. Pour your life into my soul. Let the cleansing waters flow. Make me white as snow. She was seeking this. You see, because she was on a journey. She was on the journey of brokenness. She had, she had started her life making her choices as she moved into adulthood, making her choices, a lot of them bad choices that led to worse choices, that led to worse choices, that led to habits of a lifestyle that she couldn't get herself out of. And there came a point when she was standing on the perimeter of a crowd listening to a message by Jesus, maybe once, maybe twice, maybe many times, that her, her heart started to hear the, the message. And that convergence between a person's past and their guilt And finally, brokenness converges with God's holiness. And she saw herself for who she was. It didn't happen in a study. It didn't happen when she was standing there at the point she was standing there listening to Jesus. Jesus was at Simon's house. And the journey to brokenness occurred. See, don't ever feel like that you, when you're sitting down and you're teaching someone about the cross... That the, the moment in time that those people are supposed to converge, their brokenness with God's holiness is supposed to happen there. Stop thinking that if you do. Brokenness is a journey. Convergence at that point is a journey that only God can get someone to. She got there without anyone standing there next to her, and she found Jesus. She comes, she, she's inconsolable. She can't stop weeping. She's standing behind him. He's laying down. He's reclining. His feet are behind him. She's at his feet. She's weeping. She sees the tears falling on his feet. She wipes them with her hair. They obviously were dirty because Simon had not provided any water to wash Jesus' feet. And then she takes the alabaster jar of perfume and she pours it on his feet. She anoints him. Jesus sees Simon's heart just like the commercial, the State Farm commercial with uh, Chris Paul and the beard, where they're at the pool and they're talking to each other with just brainwaves, like an old Star Trek movie or show from the 60s. And so they're talking to each other just using brainwaves. No one's mouth is moving. They're there with the State Farm agent. And then finally the nerdy gardener shows up or whatever, and he's, hey, everybody, what's going on? What? And he notices that they're talking to each other without using their mouth. And they can hear each other. That's the way Jesus was. He could hear people's thoughts just they were, like they were looking right at him saying, Hey, if you were really a prophet, you would know that this woman is a sinner. The person that's touching you is a sinner. He's like, stop. Hey, Simon, hold on a second. Here's this story. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 The other owed 50 Much different. 
in the, the scale of what was owed. But they both had something in common. Neither one could pay the other back. He forgives the debts of both. Who do you think will love him more? And he says in his own achieved way, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. He says, you've judged correctly. And the one who's had the bigger debt canceled will love more. He goes on to forgive the woman. She found her peace. Now, she can't have that experience every day. She can't begin this journey now, this new journey that she's on, and have this experience every day. That's not realistic to ask us to do that. I can't do that. But you know what you can do if you've really converged with brokenness and holiness? You know what will show up? You may still not be a very good Christian. You may have brought in some bad habits into your Christian life that take years to weed out that take years to overpower with new good habits, that overpower the muscle of the old bad habits. It may take years for you to be someone who's got as great a character as Simon. But you know what she took with her from moment one and was evidence that she had converged at that point? There's one thing you can tell about anyone who claims to have converged with brokenness and holiness, one thing that will always be there even if they're angry, impatient, all the other things, is gratitude. Gratitude. And that's the life of a Christian after this point. Gratitude. Are you grateful? I'm going to drop a bomb. I'm going to drop a theological bomb on you right now. I'm going I'm to drop the beat right here, and you're going to go, wow, did he just say that? He told, Jesus told a story. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One more, one less. He forgave them both. <coughs> Have you ever asked yourself the question, did Jesus forgive Simon? Boy, why do you bring that up? Because I think Jesus likes forgiving people. And I think that there's a chance that Jesus even forgave Simon. Because Jesus loves to forgive people. And he told this story about people who has, whose debts had been forgiven. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened, but I think there's a pretty good chance it did. What's your point? Wednesday night, I got a chance to speak to the men, and the whole point was to help us to see that God doesn't live with this umbrella of critique that's always falling, uh, always over us. But he's actually always looking to validate us and is looking for things in our character and quality of life that impress him. This bar that we set, that we think we have to live up to in order for God to continue seeing us as in the light and being able to be forgiven, might not be as high as we think it is. Did he forgive Simon? I want you to walk away asking yourself that question today today because he told a story about two people that were forgiven one of them didn't need much but gratitude that's what the one who's truly broken and understands the scale of their debt walks away with I've got a I've got a playlist on my phone I actually pay for my songs off of iTunes I actually pay for them my son's blown away you actually pay yes I actually pay for my songs but I got a playlist called Linda Every time I hear a great song, 
that makes me think about my wife, I buy that thing and I put it on my Linda playlist. I've got songs like "Sign." I've got songs like "Sign Sealed Delivered" by uh, Stevie Wonder. I've got uh, "Ain't Too Proud to Beg" by The Temptations. Everything it, you. T- I mean, if that's about my girl, that's "Beginnings" by Chicago. That's on. There's one that was written in March of this year. It just came out. I heard it. I mean, I'm like, where's my wallet? Where's my money? I got to have that thing. And here's the song. I'm going to read you the words. Good idea, but I did this in 14 font. (laughs) I'd lose my way and I'd lose my mind if I faced one day on my own. I know I was saved the night that she gave this drifter's heart a home. Every night I should be on my knees. Lord knows how lucky I am. I'll never say near enough, thank God for this woman. Amen. This world has a way of shaking your faith. I've been broken again and again. But I need all the cracks in my shattered heart because that's where her love gets in. Every night I should be on my knees. Lord knows how lucky I am. I'll never say near enough. Thank God for this woman. Amen. She gives me faith. She gives me grace. She gives me hope. She gives me strength. She gives me love. Love without end. Thank God for this woman. Amen. Thanks for the moon and the stars up above. Forgiveness of sin and your and your undying love. Every twist, every turn, for the way you made sure all my roads led to her. So tonight, I will fall down on my knees because Lord knows how lucky I am. I'm going to shout at the top of my lungs, thank God for this woman. Amen. Gratitude. Gratitude is what follows someone whose brokenness has converged with God's holiness. They may have lots of flaws, But one thing they are is grateful from that day forward. I hope you're grateful. And we've got a moment to think about what God's done for us here. As we bow our heads and and we take communion, we take the bread and the cup that reminds us of what Jesus has done for us that should leave us with an eternal gratitude. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for letting Jesus come to earth and show us who you are, who walked his... He, he walked alongside us. He showed us how much he loved us. He showed us that he could be human, and he showed us that he could be divine, and he showed us uh, your holiness, and it allows us to be broken and live a life of gratitude. Uh, again, thank you once again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.